Welcome back everyone to Culture by Design. My name is Junior. I'm here with Dr. Tim Clark for a single point lesson, the most valuable 10 minutes that you'll spend in professional development all week. Tim, what is the lesson today? Oh, Junior, I love this one. Beware the tyranny of your expertise. Let's jump into it. We live in a world of experts. What is an expert? It's a person who has a comprehensive and authoritative knowledge or a skill in a particular area. And this is, you'll, you'll see where we're going with this based on this next quote from <laughs> Nicholas Murray Butler. The expert is someone who knows more and more about less and less until he knows absolutely everything about nothing. <laughs> I love that. I, that, one, that one hit me. I really like it. So here's the complication. Expertise is a double-edged sword. Why? What's the first edge? The first edge is that it's great. It's knowledge. It's useful. It's leverage. It's efficiency. It's avoiding a whole bunch of stuff that you know you don't need to worry about. What's the other edge? It's bad. You become insulated. And we're going to go through a few of these, uh, these angles of why this can be dangerous. Expertise in an area becomes your domain and your world. And you can lose touch with the context that surrounds that world. Drucker said the danger of the expert is that he often becomes a prisoner of his own expertise. What do you think about that, Tim? I think that that's true. And, um, and so you, there's a tendency, well, you, you're subject to a set of temptations when you become an expert, that you will become stagnant, that you will become insulated and isolated. And I think that we have to think about the fact that there's really no field of knowledge that is static or complete that doesn't exist. Nothing is, is in a state of true equilibrium. So if you don't move with the unfolding of knowledge in your field of expertise, then you become increasingly obsolete and irrelevant. But, but I wanna say something else here too, Junior. It's not just about the fact that your area will still be dynamic and you have to keep up. The other danger is within you, it's inside, and it's about your attitude. It's about your point of view. It's about your perspective. It's about the, the way that you see yourself and others. And, and you are susceptible to develop an attitude of elitism and superiority that can, it can sometimes accompany the development of expertise. So when that, when that happens, the expert becomes more difficult to work with. Why? Because the expert is becoming more dogmatic and more impenetrable. You lose the ability to give and receive feedback because you see yourself on a different plane, maybe on a pedestal, occupying higher status and station. So it's a, you're not accessible. You're hard to work with. So I think th those are two formidable obstacles uh, in becoming an expert. Well, I think we've all encountered experts who have behaved that way, mm -hmm. who have been closed off and very reticent to engage with us in any sort of real meaningful conversation. They don't wanna hear feedback, they don't wanna hear another angle because it might threaten that station of expertise. And they don't want that, right? We don't want that, we are the experts. We don't wanna be right. undermined. So those are the first two dangers, insulation and stagnation. Now here's the third, isolation. This one I think is one of the most important because expertise can incentivize you to stay on an island, yeah. to become isolated, to seek less input, and to be less open to it when it does come. 
So that isolation and breaking the feedback loop, I think can be one of the most dangerous things that comes from expertise. Well, Junior, I think when you become isolated, gradually you become less aware of the fact that you're becoming isolated. Yeah. And so it compounds the danger. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a downward spiral, it that is. isolation. And you see the demise of some of the brightest minds and the foremost experts. That's often what happens. So what do we do? How do we hedge against these three dangers of insulation, stagnation, and isolation? We would suggest that number one, you practice humility. Admit your own ignorance. Always assume that you're missing something, that the person across from you knows something that you don't and share credit. So doing those things in an effort to practice humility guards against those dangers that we talked about that can come with expertise. But humility, I think, is the first and foremost. And it's difficult to just say, yeah, go be humble. But the operating assumption is that you do not know everything. And the even, I think, more explicit, actionable frame is that assume that other people know something that you don't know, right? Not that you're just going to go figure it out and learn a little bit more, but that other people because I think that influences more the way that you interact with others. Junior, I would also say that uh, there's a mighty fine line between brilliance and ignorance. And so all you need to do is think about the times when someone who was not a prisoner to your paradigm based on your own expertise provided a solution or a suggestion or a perspective or a point of view that you desperately needed, but you couldn't come up with it yourself because you were a prisoner to your own paradigm and the set of assumptions that you, you typically operate with. And, and so when you see that happen, it's astonishing and it's humbling and you realize that you need the, the perspective of others and you need to be very open-minded as you're collaborating, especially at the intersection of different domains of expertise because no one owns the intersection. Yep. And that's the second recommendation. Seek collaboration and advice. Bring in minds that aren't like yours. Bring in a cross-functional perspective. If you're in marketing, bring in a product team. If you're in something post-sale, involve a pre-sale team. I've seen that when we do that at Leader Factor, we have better outcomes. And that ignorance brilliance line is really interesting because you might say, well, they have zero expertise, right? They may even have low believability. But I have seen instances where it's like, okay, that came out of left field, but actually it's a really great suggestion. So I went in and pulled some uh, examples of this that I think uh, make the point, which are really cool. Here's the first one. Henry Ford, the founder of Ford Motor Company, once asked a janitor for advice on how to improve the efficiency of his assembly line because he watched it all day, right? He's cleaning it, watching it all day. The janitor's suggestion helped Ford save millions of dollars. Alexander the Great, number two, the ancient Greek conqueror once asked a shepherd boy for advice on how to cross a river. Who knows how to cross river? Shepherds. The shepherd boy's suggestion helped Alexander to win a decisive battle. Marie Curie, the physicist and chemist who discovered radioactivity once asked a miner for advice on how to extract uranium from ore. The miner's advice helped her make groundbreaking discoveries. Two more for you. Pablo Picasso, the Spanish painter and sculptor once asked a child how he could draw a bull. The child's answer helped Picasso to create one of his most famous paintings, Guernica. 
And then finally, Nelson Mandela, the South African anti-apartheid revolutionary and president, once asked a prisoner for advice on how to survive in prison. Straightforward, but imagine what that conversation must have been like. And the prisoner's advice helped Mandela to endure 27 years of imprisonment. So clearly we can see that this cross-functional perspective, bringing in people who are not like you, bringing people in who you typically wouldn't, who may at face value not have anything to add to the conversation, but there are too many examples that show us that that can be useful to dismiss it entirely. So this helps fight against that expertise, the danger of expertise as well. And the final is assigned dissent. Tim, what do you think about this one? Well, this is where you do it formally and you specifically call out people to be your loyal opposition. And you say, hey, your job is to tell us why we might be wrong, to shoot holes in a proposal, to look at flaws in a potential course of action, to do that formally. Because if you don't do it formally, it's people are reluctant to challenge the status quo. So I think that's a, a, a really great, even global best practice. Love it. So those are the three. Here's the call to action. What single thing would we invite you to do to help put this into practice? Next time you feel like you're 100% confident that you have the answer, assume that you're missing something. That's what we would like you to do. Do that for the next week and you will hedge against those dangers of expertise. Thank you everyone for your time and attention during today's single point lesson. We hope that this was 10 minutes well spent. See you next time.